I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 149. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. What a beautiful season it has been celebrating the birth of our Savior. Even if you're listening to this podcast in summer months, it is never off season to celebrate the coming of Christ to earth, God with us. And I do love celebrating Christmas and often think to um, the prescribed festival seasons that God insisted that the Hebrews celebrate. You know, these were times to remember. And I pray that you have spent some time remembering the significance of Christ's first coming this season. Now, today, the tree and the decorations may still be up. The remnants of family, friends, gifts, and celebration may still remain. And around much of the country, the cold air grips at us. And I fully recognize that for many of you, this season brings new and happy memories to cherish. And for many more of you, it brings out the harsh realities of sadness, loss, and unmet hopes and expectations. But in Christ, there is hope. Our God is a God of hope and new beginnings. And this is what our song this week points to. Amaryllis by Christy Knuckles is a beautiful reminder that like a Christmas amaryllis that breaks through the dirt in a cold and bleak season to bring forth life and beauty, Christ broke through as well. Let's listen. Like an about the year you were born. Was there conflict in the world? Were you expected? Were you wanted? Were you longed for or unexpected? You know, today I want to consider the historical context of Christ's coming to the world. Our song says, when everything was cold and dark, your love broke through and you shined. And last week we talked about Christ coming to earth to shine and lead us out of the darkness But how great the darkness was. It was dark and silent. 
And the Old Testament ends on a note of expectation, you know, the return of Elijah, the prophet who would soften the hearts of the people to obey the law of Moses in conformity with Israel's calling as God's holy nation. However, 400 long years pass before Israel hears any word from God. In fact, the last words of the prophet Malachi are this, Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Talk about a challenge. You know, how often do we struggle when we don't have a fresh word from the Lord? But 400 years? For 400 years, they were to remember the law of Moses and an expectation that Elijah would return. No fresh words, just God's holy word to continue to be kept. But who was Elijah and what should they expect when he returned? Well, this is one of those times when you may choose to chase a rabbit here. You know, you won't be disappointed if you do. A wonderful Bible interaction tool exercise, or bites, like I like to call them, a wonderful bite is to follow cross-references to discover more about what you're reading from other parts of the Bible. So if you have a study Bible or a Bible even with cross-references listed, you just look in the margin or at the bottom of your study Bible and it'll take you on a wonderful journey. Uh, you can also use an online tool that I like to use, BibleHub.com, and it has easy-to-follow cross-references off to the right. You just click on them and and just click all around the Bible and 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 go on a journey. Now, you can read all about the prophet Elijah and his ups and downs in First and Second Kings. And God used Elijah during an important time in Israel's history to oppose a wicked king and to bring revival to the land. And at the end of his life here on earth, he did not die. He was taken up to heaven in a chariot of fire. And so we read in the New Testament that the new Elijah, the voice calling out in the wilderness, was John the Baptist, and he was preparing the way of Christ for all. And so can I just say, though, that John was not what people were expecting. You know, you've got this expectation coming out of Micah, 400 years of silence, and um, some people even asked if he was Elijah, uh, just wondering, is this the new voice? Is this Elijah? But the question um, that I want to ask for the remainder of the podcast is, what happened in those 400 years between Micah's reminder to follow the law and, and call to expect Elijah's return? What happened in those 400 years? Well, during this time, the Persians and the Greeks and the Romans, they all ruled over Israel. In fact, much of Daniel's prophecy came true just as it was written ages before. And I read a succinct and fascinating article about the highlights of the 400 years of silence. I'm going to go ahead and link to it in the show notes uh, because it's very detailed. But I really encourage you to read that. It'll give you the historical context that perhaps will help you as you read. But finally, the deafening silence was shattered by the strong voice of John the Baptist, the promised forerunner of Messiah. And he made this startling but exciting announcement, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. At long last, God was at work again. He was about to do something new, like a Christmas amaryllis blooming forth in the cold, dark, silent winter. 
Christ had come. And all, but although God seemed silent, he was at work. He was at work weaving generation after generation into the tapestry of the genealogy of Christ. And something in the first verse of this song made me want to look into a portion of Matthew that I have asked you all to read each week leading up to Christmas, but a part that you probably skipped over or at best sped read. So let's listen to the first verse of our song, and then I'll explain on the other side. Talk about a winter the world had never known. And talk about a silence that hardened up the soil. No more life left in Eden, but you knew the time was. You were growing up a family that you would call your own And through a fragile people, the light of life would come When it seemed like we never see spring Heaven gave a king Like an Our lyrics say you were growing up a family that you would call your own. Now, I have just spent the Christmas season with members of my family and members of my husband's family and members of our spiritual family. And our families, like yours, I'm sure, have their unique qualities, to say the least. You know, we have tragedy and embarrassing moments. We have laughter and redeeming moments. And all of these distinctive characters and storylines merge to create a tapestry given to us by God himself, woven together under his sovereignty. So the part of Matthew that you may have overlooked these past few weeks is the first part of chapter 1 the lineage of Christ. And this is the family that God chose to bring the Savior of the world from. When you take a close look, you'll see them. They're imperfect, perhaps a little crazy. It's pretty amazing that even Christ could come from such a dysfunctional family. And so I challenge you this week to explore some of the members you may or may not be familiar with. You know, some Some we have more information than others, of course, but just like with Elijah, chase a rabbit or two and learn about the family line of our Savior. You don't even need Ancestry.com, just your Bible. So Matthew 117 says, so all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. So from the first 14 generations, I want to pull out Grandpa Perez. Grandpa Perez, uh, Perez actually, the, the name Perez means breach. And has anyone in your family ever violated your faith or trust, ever broken their word? Well, in Genesis 38, we see why Grandpa Perez was named breach. Now, the entire story is a little PG-13, so I'm not going to recap it here on the podcast. So you can read it for yourself. How about that for a teaser? But suffice it to say that there was evil and selfishness and flat-out mean practices happening here. Tamar, the mother of Perez and his twin brother, did what she felt she had to do in the end. 
And in Genesis 38, 27, it says this, when the time of her labor came, there were twins in her womb. And when she was in labor, one put out a hand and the midwife took it and tied a scarlet thread on his hand saying, this one came out first. But as he drew back his hand, behold, his brother came out and she said, what a breach you have made for yourself. Therefore, his name was called Perez. Afterward, his brother came out with the scarlet thread on his hand and his name was called Zara. So not only did Perez's name reflect how he came out into the world, breaching the womb first, but he reflects the attempt, the, the attempted breach of a contract that his father Judah had made with his mother Tamar. It's an interesting read. And so especially when you compare this story with your own family drama, I'm not sure if it can compare to yours. You know, it's it's way more dramatic than mine for sure. But let's jump into the second set of 14 generations. And I want to talk about Grandpa Hezekiah. And in 2 Chronicles 29, it describes Hezekiah. And it says that he began to reign as a king uh, when he was 25 years old. And he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that David, his father, had done. So I love how Hezekiah made changes right out of the gate. When you read about him in 2 Chronicles 29, it's kind of like looking back to review the first 100 days of a a president, reviewing his accomplishments. But it says in verse 3, in the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. So he's off to a great start, leaving a pretty great legacy that shows dedication and intention and and he kept on you know he's called an entire wayward nation to repentance um it goes on to say that couriers went throughout all israel and judah with letters from the king and his princes as the king had commanded saying o people of israel return to the lord the god of abraham isaac and israel that he may turn again to the remnant of you who have escaped from the hand of the kings of assyria do not be like your fathers and your brothers who were faithless to the Lord, the Lord God of their fathers, so that he made them a desolation, as you see. Do not now be stiff-necked as your fathers were, but yield yourselves to the Lord and come to his sanctuary, which he has consecrated forever, and serve the Lord your God, that his fierce anger may turn away from you. For if you return to the Lord, your brothers and your children will find compassion with their captors and return to this land. For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful and will not turn away his face from you if you return to him. This was a good thing Grandpa Hezekiah commanded. I wouldn't mind having a brave king in my family line like that. Because listen to what happened. When the couriers went from city to city, um, they laughed at them to scorn and mock them. <laughs> so, But that didn't phase Hezekiah. Further down in Second Chronicles 31, it says, Thus Hezekiah did throughout all Judah, and he did what was good and right and faithful before the Lord his God, and every work that he undertook in the service of the house of God and in accordance with the law and the commandments, seeking his God, he did with all his heart and prospered. Wonderful story, but not so fast. He did great things, but he ended up prideful and had some pretty severe consequences because of it. And you can read all about that in Isaiah chapters 36 through 39. Pretty consistent with people in my family line too. Even the good ones have their moments, right? So how about that third set 
of 14 generations. So I'm going to look um, at the, from the deportation to Babylon to the time of Christ. And I want to introduce you to Grandpa Zerubbabel. And in Matthew 112, it says, After the deportation of Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel. And we meet Zerubbabel in Ezra chapter 3. It says, When the seventh month came and the children of Israel were in the towns, the people gathered as one man to Jerusalem. Then arose Jeshua, the son of Josadok, with his fellow priests, and Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, with his kinsmen. And they built the altar of the God of Israel to to offer burnt offerings on it, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. So Grandpa Z, he rebuilt the altar of God after King Cyrus allowed the children of Israel to return to their homeland. So this was after the deportation. And if you keep reading in Ezra, it gets better. When you keep reading, you see that he was part of the team that rebuilt the foundation of the temple of the Lord. It says, when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments came forward with trumpets and the Levites the sons of Asaph with symbols to praise the Lord according to the directions of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Grandpa Zerubbabel was part of that team. But even Grandpa Z had to suffer in his good work. Because there were adversaries. And it says, When the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the returned exiles were building a temple to the Lord, the God of Israel, they approached Zerubbabel and the heads of the father's houses and said to them, Let us build with you, for we worship your God as you do. And we've been sacrificing to him ever since the days of Esaradon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel, Jeshua, and the rest of the heads of the father's houses in Israel said to them, You have nothing to do with us in building a house to our God, but we alone will build to the Lord, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. So the work, however, would stop here because the adversaries would actually win for a season. But Grandpa Z, he wasn't going to be stopped forever. And at some point, he began to work on the temple again. And Ezra is such a good read. And it's made all the more interesting to know that Zerubbabel is in the lineage of Christ. At least for me, I'm, you know, it's just this connection that has brought newness to my reading of this text. Spoiler alert. The temple gets rebuilt, and it's pretty amazing how it all comes together. And I can't say Ezra is one of my go-to sections of scripture, but just knowing the connections um, has made the time that I spent in it this week more meaningful. So be inspired by this connection to Christ and pull out Ezra and read it. We've only chosen three people from the lineage of Christ to talk about today. We've used the Bible interaction tool exercise, the bite, of following cross-references to find them highlighted in the Old Testament. But I want you to follow another bite and remember that these are not characters in a story. These are real people with real emotions. They had real expectations of how life would go. They made good choices. They made foolish choices. And their stories were all interwoven into the greatest story ever told. Their lives led to the light of life, the redeemer of all mankind. What an amazing journey to discover more about them this week. So what's next? Well, I could go on and on, and you can too. Feel free to follow my lead and learn about 
Judah, Tamar, and Perez in Genesis 38. In 2 Chronicles 29 through 31, tells much of the say of the life of Hezekiah. And then Isaiah 36 through 39 tells the rest of the story. Uh, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, has a major role in the rebuilding of the altar and the temple after the Babylonian deportation. You can read all about it in chapters 3 through 6 of Ezra. All of these are in the lineage of Christ. It's an interesting network of people, some with sordid pasts and questionable choices, but woven into the family of Christ nonetheless. Our song says, through a fragile people, the light of life will come. He continues to use fragile people in his story today. And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneesat.com, hop on Twitter or Facebook, and we can talk about what you're learning. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to shout out to Karen from California, Courtney from Michigan, Anna Mae from the Philippines, and Angela from Arkansas. These are my newest subscribers to my website. Welcome. Now, the benefit of subscribing is that I will email you once a week. And in that email, you'll get a weekly memory verse resource. You can display that on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or you can print it out. You'll get an email recap of the week's episode, and you'll get instant access to any of the extra resources that I create from my episodes from time to time. It's just my way to say thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneesat.com to subscribe today. Now, don't miss an episode of my podcast. You can subscribe directly in iTunes or Stitcher Radio if you have an Android device. And while you're there, please leave me a written review and a star rating. This not only encourages me, but helps me stay visible to new listeners. As always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will use the song Everywhere I Go by Tim Timmons. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 149. And then while you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.